0: Good, y'all say Friday, good, Friday. good, Friday, Friday. Good. <laughs> it's like if a caveman, you know, celebrated Good Friday, he'd say Friday, good, all right, Elevate, amen, amen, man, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, we get to come to Elevate on Good Friday, uh, it's gonna be like that every Elevate because Elevate meets on Friday, right, there's never not gonna be a Friday in which we talk about this day, right, when it comes around every year. Um, now, before we get into the Word, of course, we're continuing our sermon series, Empty Tomb, uh, and today is Good Friday. I want to just kind of lay down the blueprint of this story, right? Because this story, Good Friday, what Jesus did, it's, uh, it's probably the greatest story ever. And it's even greater because it's true. How many of you like true stories, right? When you see a movie and it says, based on true, true events, you kind of get hyped. My wife's like that. Like, it could be the craziest thing ever about serial killers and stuff like that. And she's like, man, this is based on a true story. Like, it makes it better for me, you know? But this is the story that every story is based on. I want to say that again. Listen, this story about Jesus is the story in which every story derives from. Every story is trying to get to this story. It's a story about an innocent man that is basically punished for a guilty man. It's the story of someone that is lowly, someone that is humble, someone that is put down, but then comes up. It's the story of someone who doesn't deserve what they're going to get, but gets it anyway, in order that someone who does deserve it gets something better. If you've seen Forrest Gump, you understand what I'm saying, right? I was just watching Forrest Gump the other day. There's this guy, Forrest Gump. He's like the best dude ever. And there's this girl that he loves named Jenny, and Jenny is horrible. Jenny is just not a good lady, right? And, and she keeps hurting him and hurting him and hurting him, and she essentially does not deserve him, but he keeps running to her to show her that he loves her, to show her that he'll be there for her. And at the end, she finally does accept Forrest's love. There, there there's other stories like there's this, there's stories of, of people that are heroes, right? That you know, if you look at Superman or you look at Batman. I was watching The Dark Knight the other day, and Dark Knight, right? Batman, he gets he basically has to take the blame for this guy named Harvey Dent, right? Who's like the Two Face, right? And and it's this guy that he he he's not as good as people think he is, right? But Batman has to take his blame so that people can believe in something good. Now, every story is just a cheap imitation of this story, the story that we're about to get into. The innocent taking the place of the guilty. The innocent dying for the one that is not innocent, right? Blame and justice and... Everything derives from this story. The good God dying for the evil or the bad creation, the fallen creation. That's what we're talking about today. So let's get into Luke chapter 23, uh, verses 26 to 49. So I think it's fitting that we read about what happened to Jesus on that day on Good Friday, right? It says right here, um, if we can go actually to to verse 26, 26, so go up a little bit more verse 26 right there. So as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country and put on a cross, put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Jesus was so beaten he could barely carry his cross. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Now his disciples, they stayed from a distance, didn't really follow him. But these women were. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the childless woman, the woman that will never bore and the breast that never nursed. Then they will say, mountains fall on us and hills cover us. For people do these things when the tree is green. What will happen when it is dry? So essentially, He's talking about judgment, okay? In this story, people are judging God. How many of you know, right, no one can judge me but God, right? How many of you heard that before, right? Only God can judge me. In this story, they were saying, only I can judge God. You see, the crucifixion is basically man judging God. We put Jesus on trial, and we claimed him guilty. We condemned Jesus. We said, you deserve to die. You deserve to take the punishment for our sin. And he's saying, for people do these things when the tree is green. He's the tree. Jesus is the tree of life. This is him right now, the tree of life. He's alive. But this is how they treat him. What will happen when it's dry? So Jesus is saying, the world is going to judge me now. But listen, don't cry for me now. Cry for these people. Cry for the generation that happens to be around when I judge them. So Jesus is already pointing us towards future things we're we're going to get into. But Jesus is being judged right now in this moment. Innocent Jesus being judged by men and women that he probably healed, men and women that he served, men and women that saw his miracles. Now put him on the hot seat. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called Skull, That's the place where Jesus was crucified, called Skull. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, another on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Everybody say, Father, forgive them. them. Everybody say, "Father, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. You see, this whole scenario, Jesus on the cross praying for us, praying for those who crucified him, praying for the ones that put the nails in his hands. You see, that right there is the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. When the Bible talks about the mercy of God that was shown on Jesus, that's what's happening in this story. Jesus on the cross is not calling for that judgment, but instead he's calling for mercy. That is the grace that we talk about right there, that prayer The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. Uh, The soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar, and said, if you're the king of Jews, save yourself. There was written above him which read this, the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Then save yourself and save us. But the other, criminals, the other criminal rebuked him. He said, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we, If you can just scroll all the way down. We are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. So we see right here, Jesus is being mocked, right? Jesus is being ridiculed. Jesus is being beaten. But Jesus, right, he still has that prayer. He still said that prayer. Jesus is acknowledged to be innocent. Though everyone knows Jesus is innocent. Everyone literally knows Jesus is innocent. They know it in their hearts, but there is this thing they want to do. They want to put him in judgment. They, they don't want to be punished. They want him to be punished. They don't want what he said to be true. They want themselves to be true. They want what They, they want to be good on this day. They want to be right on this day. So what they're going to do is put Jesus to die this thief, he's not foolish. He's, he understands. He's like, ah, man, I'm, I'm wrong here. I'm the one that's not good. He's done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when, when you come into your kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus then says, truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. If we can continue. Towards the end of this story, it's about noon. Darkness is now all over the place uh, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn into two. That's when Jesus calls out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion seeing this, that had happened, that means the Roman soldier that pierced his side, he ended up praising God and saying, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered witnessed this, they saw what took place, and they beat their breasts and went away. While all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. So that's what happened when Jesus was crucified. That's the the telling that Luke gives us. That he, right, was judged by man, but prayed prayed for us to be forgiven. When he died, there was a veil that was torn into two. That veil was what separated man and God. Back in the day, remember I showed you guys the temple not so long ago? When they would go into that temple to pray, there would be a veil separating who God was and what he was from man. Jesus tore that temple in two. He tore that that veil. What was there separating us and God, he tore that in two. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. See, what Jesus is doing here when he says these things, he's not saying random things. What he's doing is he's fulfilling prophecy. There's a story about this guy named David who makes these psalms. Anybody read the book of Psalms? David was a jacked up guy, though. He was. When he calls out for God's mercy, right, he, he's not doing it from an innocent standpoint. See, when Jesus calls out for God's mercy, he's not doing it just for himself. He's doing it for all those who believe in him. He is saying right here, man, like, even though I'm dead, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die right now. I'm, being, uh, I'm suffering an unjustly death. Who is he going to? The Father. So why am I saying this? Well, it's important that you know. Right? A lot of us say, well, Jesus died for me. But how many of you have ever looked in the Bible to see exactly what happened when he died? It's important because if you don't know what happened when he, when he died, right, you're not going to understand why he died. You're not going to understand what he did for us when he died. And that's an important thing. Because today is the day that the world reflects on this event. It celebrates the death of Christ, but that's kind of ridiculous. Why would we celebrate a death? Why would we celebrate a death? Recently, there was this rapper who died, and what they did for this rapper is they took his body, and they like they you know they they basically did the thing that they do in funerals with the body. They stuff it and everything, but they put him up right, kind of not, not hanging, but they stood him up. They propped him up, and they put him in a in the center of a club. And they all began to get drunk and celebrate this dude's death, right? Just, just get wasted, do all that stuff. And then they had to pay for admission to get in this funeral. Weird, weird. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about celebrating the death of Jesus. Because it is strange to celebrate death. It is strange to celebrate death. A lot of people are like, man, I want to party when I die, right? But we don't really think about it. That is kind of strange when we think about it. Like, why would we celebrate someone dying? Why would we celebrate someone going, right? They're, you're never going to see them again, right? Of course, we understand eternity, but let's, let's keep that to the side right now. Someone dies, you're not going to see them again, right? We know God, God is true, right? There is a heaven, but you're never going to see them again. Why do we celebrate that? Why does the world celebrate death? Today, the whole world is celebrating the death of Christ, and in the last few weeks, we've talked about this, kind of like his suffering, his death. We talked about how the land is full of death, but how the suffering, servant he comes and he walks into it, he enters it. And being Good Friday, it's fitting that we speak about now this, because it's strange. The fact is, even believers, even non-believers are kind of looking at this day as a national holiday, right? They're, they're, it's, it's, it's part of what we do as a country, but we got to stop and think about this we got to stop and think, what, just, what exactly happened to Jesus on the cross? And not just what happened to Jesus on the cross, but what happened to us when Jesus was, was on the cross? Because that's an important thing. A lot of people say, well, Jesus died for me. What does that mean for you? What does that do to you? You can know Jesus died for you, but if you don't, you've never experienced Jesus' death on the cross. And just what that means for you, it means nothing. It's trivial. That means it's 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 pointless. It's just a meaningless fact. It's another fact you have on your head. Like, you know, you got Abraham Lincoln was this type of president. You got, you know, what did people do in the 1930s? You know, like, what fashion did people Like, it's, it's alongside that kind of stuff if it has no effect in your life. Ultimately, the reason why this is Good Friday and not Bad Friday, right, is because Jesus did the ultimate good thing. There's no greater good than what Jesus did because for him dying on the cross was not just some kind of like, look at me, I'm a noble man, I'm a holy man. Jesus dying on the cross was for us. And it wasn't the end of this story, but there's a resurrection. The only reason why Friday is good is because Jesus is alive. The only reason why Je- Friday is good, Good Friday, is because Jesus' death wasn't just for himself, it was for you. That's the only way that it could be a Good Friday. Good Friday. If Jesus in his death means nothing to you, this is not a good Friday for you. Because you're that person that he says, hey, don't weep for me. Weep for yourself and weep for your children. Because Jesus, the judgment that was put on Jesus is going to come back tenfold on those who are not believers. And we'll get to that in the coming weeks. But listen, what happened to Jesus exactly on that cross for it to be good? Right? Well, a lot of bad things happened to him. If we can go to the first slide, please. So what, Je- what happened to Jesus on the cross, right? His death, physically, we see that. We see that there was a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him. They actually divide- they rolled dice for his, clo- his cloth, right? So they tore his robes and then they gambled for his clothes, right? Not only that they- when they put the crown of thorns on him, right they were mocking him as some type of king, then they put king of the Jews to mock him. I mean That's not good, right? When we think about that, that's not a good thing. That's not a fun thing. Like, how many of you would say, yeah, we need to celebrate that? We don't need to celebrate that. Well, that's what people would say. But no, we as Christians, we do celebrate it. We look at it as a good thing. You got the slide up? I sent it to you. Okay. Well, here's the thing. We'll go to Galatians. Go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, it it paints the picture of this. On the cross, Jesus, he became sin. So everybody say, he became sin. So Jesus becoming sin for us is a big thing. How many of you know God is holy? Right? How many of you know God is holy? Josiah, do you know God is holy? Yeah? You guys need to know God is holy. Because a lot of people think, yeah, man, we're all good people. We're all great people. Listen, I want to let you know, you're not good. If you're not going to hear from anyone else, hear from me. You're not good. In this world, we are born into sin. And we begin to adopt and adapt to what our environment is doing. And we begin to love the sin that we're in. Without Christ, right, we're, we're dead in our sins. We've gone through that. All that bad stuff that's said about sin, yet Jesus actually became that. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. Now, I want you guys to see this up here, so I'm going to send it to you on your Facebook. You should have it now, if you check. I want you guys to see this, because Jesus becoming sin is important for us Because what does it say right here? It says that we become the righteousness of God. One second. So he becomes sin, this horrible thing that that we all know is bad. What God is not is sin. There is no sin in God. We know that. But Jesus, yet he becomes sin. So that what? So that we can become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus actually became poor. Jesus becomes poor. He empties himself. He is not some kind of rich guy on a a cross, right? Some kind of rich, noble guy that's dying for all the poor people. But no, he actually becomes poor. Like, he, he has nothing to his name. He literally has no clothes on him. They strip him naked. They divide his clothes, start gambling. He becomes poor, but so that we can become rich. Not rich with money. Of course, I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying rich with blessing because literally, it also says he became a curse. Everybody say he became a curse. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. In Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14, it says, Cursed is anyone that's hung on a tree. Remember, the cross, what is it made of? It's made of wood, right? The law said anyone who's hung on a tree, right? The law, the Old Testament, that, you know, long book that you read in the Bible sometimes, and you're like, man, what does it mean? Part of that says if you, if you are hung on a tree, you're cursed. People will look at it and be like, man, this man's cursed. I said this before. Jesus became that curse. He became that curse, not just that curse, but you guys remember the curse that, that God gave to mankind and to, to Adam and to Eve? Well, Jesus takes that curse upon himself. Right? Jesus takes the curse given to man, and he becomes that curse. And it says he does this in order to redeem us from that curse, to buy us back. We were under that curse. We were owned by that curse. But Jesus now redeems us from it. He redeems us from it. Gives it. Now, now what does he do? He re, we received the blessing of God because he became a curse. So then it says that he offers this innocent life. We can go to Hebrews chapter 9, 13-14. On the cross, Jesus, he offers his innocent life. Remember, Jesus did not deserve to die. He didn't. We did. We do. Those people did. They deserve to die on the cross. The same people that were judging Jesus, same people that were mocking Jesus, they deserve to be in that place. So it says right here, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the the heifer, the sprinkle uh, on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. So basically what people did back in the day on that temple I showed you, where they would kill a goat, kill a sheep, kill a lamb, kill an animal, in order so they can be clean, well, that didn't do anything. That didn't do anything. They were just outwardly clean. But now how much more than with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished, that means innocent to God, cleanse your consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. So what happened to Jesus with him offering his innocent life is that now our conscience is clean. And when your conscience is, is that's what causes you to feel guilty, what causes you to feel shame, what causes you to feel like, man, dude, I'm not right with God. Because of Jesus offering his innocent life, now we can have a clean conscience. And because of a clean conscience, now we can serve God. You can't serve God without a clean conscience. If you're guilty, if you're stuck in sin, you can't possibly serve the living God. But through Jesus offering his innocent life, now we can do that. See, he, will know he's innocent, died as a criminal so that we, even those criminals, can now live an innocent life. It's an exchange. Now, he also shedded his blood on the cross. Jesus poured out his blood for us. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, 13 to 16. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 to 16. See, We are not born close to God. We're not born near to God. There's actually many people in this world, even people in this room, that are far from God. Just because you're close to the church, just because you're in this building, doesn't mean you're in God. You could be very far away from God. It says right here, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, everybody say "Far far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So if you were far away, now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, because of his blood, now we can be reconciled back to God. Now we can have peace with God. We can have a relationship with God. If we can go back to that uh, that slide, please. So on the cross, what happened to Jesus was this. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. On the cross, he became poor so that we could become rich. On the cross, he became a curse so that we could receive the blessing of God and be redeemed from the curse that we were living in. On the cross, he offered his innocent life so that our consciousness could be purified and we could serve the living God. On the cross, he shed his blood so that we could be brought back to God. You see, everything that happened to Jesus was so that we could experience the life that he lived the death that he experienced is so that we can live the type of life that he has so without receiving this death without believing in jesus's death we don't get we don't have access to his life without believing that jesus died on the cross that his death is all that we need right we don't get to experience the life that we need we need to believe and understand what jesus did on the cross if you have it confused, if you don't understand or don't grasp just how great and how needed, how necessary Jesus' death on the cross was, you will never live for Christ. If you think of it as some kind of gimmick, as some kind of thing just to say, as so many people that grow up in church do, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for me. They just recite it. They don't even think twice about it, that the living God became a man and gave his life for you. When you think of it as a gimmick, you know what you're saying? You don't believe it. See, see this is the problem is that you don't believe it because you've never experienced what happened to Jesus on the cross hasn't happened to you. You are not reconciled to God. You're far away from him. You see, you're not the righteousness of God. You're still dead in your sin. You're not rich with the blessings. You're still under the curse. Your conscience is not purified. You have a filthy, dirty, perverted conscience. You're wicked. You're lost. That's what happens when the cross is a gimmick. You see, because what Jesus did on the cross was was not some kind of uh, uh, Bible's children's book. It wasn't some type of just fairy tale. It was gruesome. It was brutal, but it was necessary. The Bible says that life is in the blood. Jesus poured out what life is, his life, on the cross, because we were dead in our sins. If Dara, if you can come to the, the keys, please. So we need to believe this. We need to understand this. We need to get it. We need to get it. If the altar workers can come up, please. You see, some of you guys right now, you don't get it. And it's not because you can't understand it. It's because you don't want it. You don't want to receive what God wants to give you. You don't want a new life. You don't want to see Jesus and be like, man, that is good. Because, listen, if you don't say, man, what Christ did on the cross was good, and I I receive that blessing, I receive eternal life, what you're saying is I want the judgment. I want the judgment. Because if we don't recognize the goodness that God demonstrated on the cross, that he showed us on the cross, well, all that is left is the judgment that is going to come when Jesus returns. You see, Good Friday is good because of this exchange, this, this giving up for, right? This, this kind of like, I'll give you this if you give me that, right? It's the innocent. Jesus gave his innocence for our guilt. Jesus took your guilt and gave you his innocence. It's the good for the evil. What makes you evil, God takes it and he gives you what makes him good. You see, the unrighteous for the righteous. We give Jesus our unrighteousness. What makes us wicked, what makes us devious, what makes us wrong, we give that to God and he makes us righteous. It's the ultimate exchange. Because of him, now we are saved. We're set free. We're holy. The the, the holy has made the unholy holy. We were imperfect, far away from God, but because the one who is perfect and nearest to God came to us, now we can be near to god and it has nothing to do with you other than you believing you simply trust that god is good and what he did is true what i am saying is true and you experience that that will happen to you, you will be come the righteousness of god you were poor empty without god but now you'll be rich with god You were under the curse, but now you'll have the blessing of God redeemed, bought for, paid for, belonging to Jesus. You see, your conscience was tainted, but now you'll have a purified conscience. You're far away from God, but now you'll be brought to him a friend of God. You see, what happened to Jesus on the cross isn't supposed to be just a fact, just a holiday, just an event. But it's actually supposed to be something that we experience. When we believe, it's not just head knowledge. Today, I met with a friend who came to Elevate when I started coming. I went to grammar school with him, and he said, man, I tried the youth thing. I tried that. I really tried my hardest, but when I closed my eyes and prayed, I just didn't feel it, right? Listen, I'm letting you know that's not what what God is about. It's not just about your feelings and the sensation like, yeah, I want to see some cool. I want to cry and get the goosies and Elevate. It's not about that. It's about this. It's about this experiencing what Jesus did on the cross in our lives. And I had to explain that to him. I'm like, man, dude, it's about what Jesus did. Because what Jesus did is all that we need. If you guys could all stand up, please. If we can go to uh, John 20, 20 to 24. John chapter 20, verses 20 to 24. Listen, you guys have never seen Jesus. That's the truth, right? But There is a blessing for those who do not see but yet believe. If we can scroll down a little bit more. Now, there is a disciple named Thomas. And, I mean, this is the big thing, is that Jesus resurrected. Right? It's one thing. We talk about Jesus dying. But, man, if Jesus didn't resurrect, this would not be a Good Friday. Good Friday would not be good without Easter. Because Jesus resurrected... That's why we can look back and say, man, that was a good thing that happened. That was a good thing that happened." because without Jesus, without that happening to Jesus, this wouldn't happen to us. And the disciples needed to understand this. There was a disciple named Thomas, and there's a nickname for him. His nickname is Doubting Thomas. Thomas didn't believe that Jesus resurrected and until he said, I saw him. It says right here, now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him. We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I won't believe. So he tells the disciples, man, I'm not believing that Jesus resurrected. I saw him die. I saw the the piercings in his hands and his side. I saw all that happen. There's no way I'm believing that. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." So Jesus pops up and he says, "Peace be with you." And Thomas now, uh, he's just there. Now he gets to see Jesus, and he tells him, "Put your finger here, see my hands, and reach your hands, uh, reach out your hands, and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe." Thomas said to him, "My Lord and my God." But Jesus doesn't say, "Oh man, great! I'm glad you believe it." He says, "Because you have seen me, you believe." blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed see i'm telling you guys today to stop doubting and believe stop doubting and believe you you've you've kind of had enough doubts you've had enough reasons you had enough uh kind of explanations as why not to take this serious it's time to stop and start believing to actually believe in who jesus is to actually believe what jesus what happened to jesus can now affect us can now change us so this is the altar call listen if you want to believe in what Jesus did on the cross and you want to experience that in your life you want what happened to Christ right to now have an effect in your life right in other words that chart what I was talking about there you want to see that in your life the altar calls for you if you want to see Why Good Friday is good, not just because, man, it's a great story, but because, man, it's good for me. It's not just good in general, man. This is good for me. If you want to see that, this is what the altar is for. Everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're doubting God, listen, we can talk you through that. If you have doubts, we can walk you through that. We can help you understand that Jesus is a reasonable thing to believe in. He's a reasonable person to believe in. This is not fairy tales. This is not make-believe. We genuinely believe and Bi- that the Bible is true, that what Jesus did wasn't just some random fact, some random miracle, but it's a miracle that can still affect us today. It's for us today to believe everyone uh, heads bowed eyes closed as the worship team uh, begins to sing I want you to reflect I want you to pray I want you to tell Jesus I believe in you I trust in you I trust in you my Lord my God I believe in you because the scripture says Jesus said out of his own mouth blessed are those who believe you have not seen if you want that blessing the blessing of salvation to be changed, to be made new, to become the righteousness of God, to be redeemed from the curse, to be reconciled to God. Believe now. Believe now. Put your faith in Jesus now. Listen, guys, before we dismiss, I just want everyone, eyes closed, head bowed. Man, listen, if you you are doubting, don't continue in your doubts. Don't continue in your doubts. Right now, trust in Jesus. Doubt your doubts. Why are you doubting? Why are you doubting? Believe in Christ believe in Christ don't waste your time here Jesus is here and he wants to change your life the Holy Spirit when you welcome him into your life when you surrender he changes you there's no doubt about it but you have to believe this this is it you can't get a, 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 you can't get around faith you have to believe you have to believe Closing uh, before we dismiss, you guys can sing in the background, please. Can you go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10? Hallelujah, man. Everyone just keep praise God for a little bit. Let's praise God. Let's lift up his name, Jesus. You are a God, you are a great God. The Lamb that was slain, Lord. God, you are so good. On this Good Friday, we worship you, Lord. I want to show you guys this. Jesus, it says, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. I want to let you right, go right now, Jesus, because he resurrected, he ascended to heaven. He, He's alive. He's over all things. He fills the whole universe. You see, you can't escape this, God. I pray right now that you would understand that. Father, I pray right now that the Jesus that fills the whole universe would invade the hearts of every person here, Lord. That he would fill every heart in this room, God that, Lord, every conscience, every heart, every mind, Lord, it would be changed and renewed and that you would have lordship over all of them, God. Lord, we praise you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed, but you can still come up for prayer. You're blessed in your week. Don't forget, it's Good Friday.